Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Welcome back to Straight from the Source. This is Michael Russo. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. If you're not an athletic subscriber, theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for a buck a month. A buck a month for six months. Theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Now is the time to get in with the offseason around the corner and the playoffs going on. Lots of great coverage throughout our site uh, for both the Wild and the Blues, too. If you're a Wild and Blues fans, Wild are down one nothing in the series. We'll talk about that in a few moments. My guest today is Jeremy Rutherford, my incredible colleague from the Athletic St. Louis. He and I did a live room yesterday on the day of Game 1, and we decided to put the podcast out today so I can just do a little open to kind of give everybody an update of what happened in the game, and you know the Wild lost 4 nothing by now. Uh, but the live room was really fun to do with Jeremy. Jeremy and I have been, um, if, you're an, if you're an athletic Minnesota fan, you probably know that Jeremy and I are really, really close friends. Um, he and I became friends when he worked for the St. Louis Dispatch and I worked for the Star Tribune. And we've been longtime members, obviously, the Professional Hockey Writers Association. And in 2017, uh, he and I actually became the sixth and seventh or fifth and sixth hockey writers at The Athletic. Uh, I guess sixth and seventh because Pierre Lebrun... Uh, we knew he was coming, and he started, I think, a week before us. Um, but uh, we were, you know, right after Aaron Portsline, and before that, uh, you know, James Myrtle, Craig Custance, uh, uh, incredible, Scott Powers, incredible, incredible hockey writers, uh, made the leap. And um, in August that year, he and I were going through the sort of the stress of the phone calls, and then finally I said to Adam and Alex, our two incredible co-founders, can I fly out to San Francisco and meet you guys? I met out there, went out there, met them face to face, had lunch with Adam, um, you know, I had breakfast with Alex, lunch with Adam, meet, met with Alex and Adam, and then went to dinner with Alex. And I remember calling uh, Jeremy first thing the next morning and saying, I think we're doing this. I think we're going to actually make this plunge. And we haven't looked back ever since. We just absolutely love The Athletic. And so uh, hopefully you all do too. And hopefully you love uh, reading and listening to Jeremy because Jeremy is just one of the great hockey writers out there. And I appreciate him uh, coming on. And if you want to get uh, more of Jeremy, you can come to my Worst Seats in the House podcast tonight at Split Rocks in Wyoming. Jeremy will be my guest with Anthony LaPanta as well at 7 p.m. So definitely come on down there. Um, But hopefully you enjoy this live room. And this live room is something that uh, Jeremy and myself were going to do on Wednesday um, in the afternoon. Pay attention to our Twitter accounts. Uh, Mine is Russo Hockey. Jeremy's is J.P. Rutherford. Um, and we'll give you a time, but it'll probably be about two or three o'clock. And we're, we plan to do the same thing for game three, uh, Friday when we are both in St. Louis, uh, the afternoon of uh, game three, we won't do one on game four just because it's an afternoon game. 
Uh, but we'll see if the series gets extended till next week. Um, we will uh, obviously do some more live rooms as long as they're night games. Um, and I say if, uh, you know, look, I think the Wild are going to turn this thing into a series. I always, I do get a kick, and a, hey, I fall into the trap too, right? Um, I do get into a kick that whenever a team loses in the playoffs, everybody freaks out. And what's funny about that is I think that we all, when we all do our predictions, you know, we probably even people here that are rabid Wild fans said, oh, Wild in five, Wild in six, Wild in seven. And so when you make that prediction, you're saying, I believe the Wild are going to lose one game, two games, three games. But then when that loss happens, we all freak out like they are the worst team in absolute history and have no shot to make this a series. But look, it's a series for a reason. The Wild did not uh, get the win in game one. And what was concerning about it was just the way it all transpired. You know, we have written and watched this team, written about me, and you all have watched this team all season long, and we've seen this exciting team that has a lot of star power, that scores goals big time, that's deep and all that. And then what happens, the curtain drops on the playoffs, and what we see is a wild team that once again in the postseason can't find the back of the net. Their special teams failed them dramatically. They didn't get great goaltending, and the result is a 4 nothing loss to a goalie in Ville Husso, who is making his playoff debut that winds up shutting them out. So it just leaves this eerie, bitter taste in your mouth because we all have the context of historically watching this team for a long, long time. But the reality is this is a new team. The concern here is that the Blues are 13-1-1 in their last 15 games against the Wild. And this is no fluke. There is just something about this team that's a thorn in the wild side and the wild are in trouble beating them. And now the wild have put themselves in a position where we all have to believe that they're going to somehow against the team that they've won once in the last 15 game against games against figure out a way to beat them four times in six games. It's an unbelievable task ahead that they're going to have to do. How are they going to have to do that? Well, one play better defense. Their defense um, on the penalty kill last night was horrific. Um, I thought even strength, they made it sound like they were a lot better than they actually were. I didn't think they had a lot of high percentage shots at even strength. Um, the shot attempts in the game, but this was mostly because of their power plays, was 72, hang on for a second, of course I, I had this in my article, uh, 70 to 42. But the one thing that Marc-Andre Fleury said going into the series about the Blues that really held true last night is that they don't waste shots. They, you know, the, he even pointed out last night that they would have like this clear lane to shoot at him and they just don't do it. They'll actually wait for that extra pass to make the seam pass, the backdoor play. They don't waste shots. So the fact that the Wild had a 70-42 edge on shot attempts, I don't think um, indicates that they were as dominant as maybe they all thought that they were after the game, just based on the fact that they had 37 shots on goal and 70 attempted shots compared to St. Louis's 42. But the game just... It unraveled the way that most wild playoff games do. Hit posts. Early in the game, it was like some wild players, like the Jonas Brodines of the world that have played a lot of playoff games, look like they'd never played one. They look so nervous on the ice. Gloving shots, shanking shots, hand, being handcuffed, whiffing. Um, and it was not just Brodine. It was Fiala. It was Zuccarello. It was Kaprizov. It was, um, you know, Felino was robbed in front of the net. Um, they just, uh, they never seem to finish or take advantage of their opportunities. As Marcus Foligno said after the game, there are big moments in every playoff game and the Capitals and the and the and the <laughs> and the Blues capitalized on it and the Wild absolutely did not. Um, the big news yesterday going into the game is that the Wild made the decision to start Marc Andre Fleury in goal. Understandable from the standpoint that he's played the third most 
NHL playoff games in history with 163, has the fourth most playoff wins in the league with 90, is the reigning Vesna Trophy winner. He hasn't played at least in a wild uniform this season against the Blues. So it was a, the, the um, you know, uh, ability to change things up and give a different look. So they don't go with Cam Talbot in game one. Um, but Cam was 13-0-3 in his last 16 games and hadn't lost in regulation since March 1st. So even though they made it sound like it was this, quote, easy decision, I don't know how it could have been an easy decision for them. And we'll see now what they do in game two, because I don't think Mark andre was overly great. He made the great save on the penalty shot. But look, a lot of rebounds there. And three, he teed up right for his buddy, uh, David Perron. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, you, there could not have been a worse place to put those rebounds. And they landed all three on David Perron's stick. And uh, Perron, as I talk about on this uh, live room, and I've talked about all, um, really, the last month and a half leading up to what we all thought was the Blues Wild Series, this guy just kills the Wild. He is so good, so underrated, 33 years old, 15 goals, 38 points in 45 games. And I still remember the 2007 draft when the Wild took Colton Gillies, and they could have taken guys like Max Pacioretty and, and David Perron. And and here he is, just still a thorn in their side uh, all these years later. Special teams need to be much, much better. Um, power play 0 for 6. They had a lot of great looks, but nothing uh, cooking in terms of finishing. Um, and Billy Huso gets the shutout, and then their penalty kill just awful. Um, you know, gave up two power play goals, gave up one power play, one goal two seconds after a power play, all to David Perron from the right circle. Um, I don't know how they're just going to magically fix their special teams. They have the worst special teams of any of the 16 playoff teams in the league combined. Worst power play and worst penalty kill combined going into the playoffs. By the way, the Blues are the best um, and had the best road power play in the league, and they showed it last night why. They're just so good on the power play. Um, but uh, they, this has been... This isn't a new development. This has been an issue for them for six months, and now suddenly before game two, they're going to fix it? Their penalty kill sucks. It's absolutely atrocious, and it's cost them games all season long. The difference is, is that they were a lot of times able to outscore their, power, their penalty kill mistakes, and this, this last night, they obviously weren't able to do that. They've got to figure this out quickly. They've got to win some draws on the penalty kill. They've got to be more aggressive on the penalty kill. And they certainly got to cover David Perron on the back door on the right circle on the penalty kill. Um, I'll be interested to see what adjustments they might make going into tomorrow's uh, game two. Um, Alex Goligoski, who they gave a two-year extension to in March, was a healthy scratch once again, and this time to start the playoffs. Um, Dmitry Kulikov had a very bad night last night, not just the uh, La La Land shift that he had, uh, even strength that led to the Ryan O'Reilly goal, but on the penalty kill as well. So maybe Goligoski goes in for uh, Dmitry Kulikov. Um, also, if you want to change things up, you got up front, you got Nick Bukestead, and you've got uh, Connor Durer. Um, on the, uh, you know, waiting in the wings as well. Now, um, if, um, oh, the one other thing that I haven't mentioned is Jared Spurgeon. Uh, Jared lost his temper last night, showed a clear sign of frustration. Uh, we haven't gotten him yet, so I'll be interested when we talk to him today to see what um, was the precursor to his cross-check, his dirty um, cross-check of uh, Pavel Buchnevich's uh, ankles. Um, looking at the replay, maybe he thought that Pavel um, kicked him in the chest, or maybe he thought that Pavel was intentionally trying to land on his leg. 
Um, but react, regardless, he reacted with a absolutely ugly cross check to the Achilles of um, to the basically the back of the left ankle of Buchnevich. He is very, very lucky, and the Wild are very, very lucky that Buchnevich was able to get up unharmed. Because what I'm sensing right now is that he is not going to get suspended; that he's just going to get fined, and uh, that would be an absolutely devastating loss if if the Wild didn't have their captain and one of their two best defensemen on the ice for the rest uh, for from either game two or multiple games in this series. Uh, so, you know, Jared showed his frustration last night, uh, did something extremely atypical on a day that, by the way, everybody had to turn in their ballots for the awards, and probably several, including myself, had him in the top five for the Lady Bing, and uh, that was very Lady Bing-like. Um, again, Jeremy Rutherford is my guest today. If you want to see Jeremy and myself later today with Anthony LaPanta, come down to Split Rocks in Wyoming at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. But first, here's a word from one of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to Straight from the Source. Michael Russo and Jeremy Rutherford. Last time we did this, Jeremy, it was during the Winter Classic. It was an absolute blast down at Fulton. Um, that was a fun podcast, Jeremy. Oh, that was a blast. I was just jealous in that situation because all the fans, the Wild and, and Blues fans, uh, were drinking beers. And, of course, we couldn't prepare to walking over to Target Field for that. So uh, I guess no beers today either. So, uh, But, yeah, no, looking forward to this. And, you know, I love these live rooms. I know you've had a good experience with them, too. And, you know, we've done some of these with the Blues uh, post-game and, and done them uh, going into events like this. And, and so uh, this is terrific. I, I hope that we get tons of people uh, listening today and get some questions from the subscribers. Looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, last time uh, we did one of these, it was a little colder out. Uh, that walk over to Target Field was not fun for either of us. Um, but the Blues did it in uh, summer gear, in uh, swimsuits. Uh, uh, and then they went out and uh, wiped, the, wiped the slate clean with the Wild. Yeah, they did. And I was wondering, I was curious, where's the beach wear today? It's a lot warmer today. And uh, the blues were in the normal suits as opposed to that beach wear that they wore in the, uh, at the winter classic. So, uh, you know, I, I want to believe they feel like they've got the same mojo going into this playoff series as they did in the winter classic, but uh, a little more traditionally dressed today. Uh, blues 12, one and one in their last 14 against the wild three and O this season in the regular season. Uh, Wild uh, uh, in the NHL math, Wild were 0-1 and 2 against the Blues this season, and they are 2-7 and 5 in their last 14 against the Blues. Um, Jeremy, how much do you think that weighs into this? Uh, you, you know, the, I remember the last um, uh, road game that the Wild played in St. Louis when you got stuck in the elevator for three hours. Um, that I'm sorry, a little PTSD. Um, that was when we did the combo story, and then I finally texted you. I'm like, I'm leaving you. <laughs> <laughs> you fill out the rest. Um, but, uh, you know, the, 
you know, I, I thought it was very important for the Wild to win that game just to sort of give themselves the belief that they can go out there and, and win this game, win this series. I mean, you're being... You're playing a team that, what, they had points in 16 their last 18 games or 17 their last 20, something like that. And just I think it would have been very, very important for Wild to get that win just to get that confidence. But just talking to them today, they feel like the entire, you know, it goes down to zero today and now they just got to go out and win the series. What Do you think that that um, that winds up being an important factor? I, I don't think so. I think uh, that's in the past. And I know that's cliche. It's easy to say. But here's why I say that. You know, if, if the Blues had home ice and we were at Enterprise tonight for game one of this playoff series, I think it'd be different. You kind of still have that memory of the Blues winning both of those games in OT. Uh, but I think the fact that the Wild have home ice, you know, they, they want to get that you know monkey off their back with you know the lack, lack of success they've had against uh, the Blues. And here's the perfect opportunity to do it. I mean, how many, how many people uh, fit into this Excel Energy Center is at 18, 19,000. Yep. 19,568. Yeah, not that you got it down to the number or anything, but uh, it, it's just, it, it's just, I, I picture this building tonight, it's going to be a madhouse. Now, listen, the past couple of years, the Wild had a pretty good team, but they were going through a transition, right? Uh, you know, moving some of those veterans and they've brought in some good young players, you know, none more better to watch and fun to watch than Kaprizov. And, and, and so, you know, tonight, let's just hypothetically say it's one nothing wild. It's two one wild. No, nobody's thinking about uh, the Blues dominance of the wild here recently. I think it starts over tonight. Uh, Ville Husso versus uh, Mark andre Fleury. I did a big story on who the wild might choose to go game one the other day. And uh, I thought they would go with Cam Talbot. 75% of Wild fans in my poll picked Cam Talbot, but obviously they go with the known quantity, somebody with an incredible amount of playoff pedigree and Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, what type of uh, series do you think that we'll see from Billy Husso? Yeah, nobody knows, and that's because uh, he's never played in a playoff game before. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, he is mature, I think, beyond his years. What is he, 26, maybe 27? Mm-hmm. Um, still a young goaltender, but that's been delayed in part, Mike, because uh, the fact that Jordan Bennington uh, got that nod when uh, Billy Houston was kind of going through some injuries in the minor leagues and the Blues needed a goalie in 2019. They call up Jordan Bennington. Of course, uh, we know the rest of the story. And so Billy Huso has kind of been uh, waiting his turn. And this year, when Jordan Bennington opened the door a little bit with his inconsistent play, uh, Billy Huso jumped in there and played well. But Gosh, when I look at this situation going into his first playoff game, I can see it one of two ways. I can see him lights out and he helps win a series for you, or I can see them turn into Jordan Bennington in game, you know, three or, or whatever, what have you. Uh, so I, I think that you can't predict it with a young goaltender like this in terms of his experience. Um, I got a lot of questions here. Zuccarello is playing tonight. Polino is playing tonight. Um, let me see. I thought I saw a pretty good question here. Wow, the uh, live room is full, Jeremy. How about that? It's full, yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, 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 Scandella is not playing tonight, right? Right, Scandella is not playing. He had a knee-on-knee hit skating, so that was a good sign. Uh, you know, I'm sure they did the MRI and the results came back good. And, you know, it looked like uh, there was a chance for him to play tonight, uh, but he won't in case anybody's missed that. And as a result, Mike, this has kind of changed up there. They're D uh, pairs, and so you're going to have Nick Letty, who was the pickup at the trade deadline, play with, and they're going to reunite Tory Krug and Justin Falk, who've uh, been really good for them, uh, real good chemistry with that pair there, and then Nico Mikola will draw in for Scandella in that third pair. That's good, and Cam Barker is playing for the Wild tonight. So, um, Okay. I thought that was a funny joke, Jeremy. 
Um, Mark, you're the first up. Mark, at, you are on the uh, Russo and Rutherford show. You kind of already touched on this just a bit ago, but um, is the only reason they're not going with Talbot just Flurry's track record? It seems as a Blues fan that that's kind of unfair to him. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I, it's a good question. I mean, I think that I'll just say right now that Everson didn't uh, give the reason why. Um, I do think that it's probably to have to change it up against the Blues. Uh, Talbot, I think, has lost seven in a row. His numbers against the Blues are as bad as he can get the last seven. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say as bad as you can get. As Jeremy knows, Capo Kakinen is as bad as you can get against the <laughs> against the uh, against the St. Louis Blues. He was in in net for that nine goal game last year, and I think a seven goal game against the Blues as well. Um, but I, I think a lot of it is I, I do think a lot of it is Bill Guerin played into this decision. Um, and I think that if you just, I'm a little surprised that you wouldn't take the guy that is under contract next year and put him in a position to at least start and maybe have Mark Andre come off the bench. But I think they they feel that Mark Andre Fleury is uh, somebody that they also faced in the playoffs last year, and he was incredible against the Wild. And I think they just kind of want to change it up and go with somebody that they really really believe in and acquired at the deadline. Were you surprised that it was that it was Fleury for the Wild, Jeremy? <laughs> A little bit. I mean, not so much when you think about his uh, playoff experience and, of course, uh, the Cups and then Talbot's lack of uh, success against the Blues, not solely on his shoulders, uh, but uh, just doesn't have good numbers against the Blues. Uh, But, man, I think in St. Louis, uh, you know, just like that caller said, uh, people, you know, feel a little bit for Cam Talbot just with uh, how well he's played, especially since the trade deadline. I know his numbers started looking really good prior to the trade deadline when Flurry came in, but he's been uh, lights out. You know, I read all your tweets, Mike, and, uh, and he's been playing well. So feel a little <laughs> bit for Cam Talbot in this situation, but uh, gosh, how can you go wrong with, uh, with the playoff guy? And then also uh, you, you make a trade for him, bring him into the deadline at the deadline. It'd be tough to have him sitting on the bench. No doubt. Um, Victoria, what's up? Good. Um, I was just wondering, what do you think the situation with, um, Golgoski is going to be is he going to come in every other game or are they just going to go with what's going what's working um I think it's going to be essentially the way the series unfolds um you know it's it's just amazing to me that he was the first pair of defensemen for all year long they acquired Jake Middleton put him to the third pair I thought Alex started playing really well after a rut for a little bit and and now they got they're fully healthy on the back end with Dumba back, Spurgeon back, and Kulikov and Merrill, two people they have very tr- very big trust in playing the third pair. So really, I mean, I think it's going to be one of those things where if you need if your power play is struggling, you want him out there, or if the, if so, there's an injury, I think you put him in. If they lose a game, you know maybe you put him in as well. But I don't see a full rotation of your third pair if you're going to be winning games. Uh, so Galagoski uh, after the extension might have to be a little patient. Um, Justin O, can you hear me? Are you on here? Justin? How about Chris? Yep, can you hear me? Yep, go for it, Chris. All right, so my question kind of revolves around the officiating. I saw a tweet that you said we have Sutherland. Is that for just this game, or is that going to be the whole series? Uh, That is just uh, this game. So the way it works is that usually these guys work in tandems, and then as each series uh, goes on as each round goes on, then the play, then the referees promoted will get assigned to another, usually another ref or another linesman, um, or stay with those, the same person that they're partner with. If that person gets promoted as well. 
Um, but no, uh, Sutherland and Brank are doing tonight's game, and then they'll get on a plane tomorrow and go somewhere else. Uh, although Sutherland, although, Chris, what although that Sutherland, means is uh, yeah. two different uh, referees are going to come in and get criticized by Mike uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, well, exactly. that's what I, that was kind of what I was getting at. So I know we've uh, in the last few wild games he's refed. It's felt pretty lopsided, at least from the wild standpoint. Have the Blues had any sort of similar feelings when he's refed their games, or is they have they kind of had a, a different view of him? Yeah, not that I'm aware of. And, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, they picked the 20 best and and uh, these guys uh, deserve the, the, the postseason. Um, you know, I know different fan bases. Mike can attest to this, too. You, I mean, you talk to people around the league and it just seems like each uh, fan base has a referee or two that they think is, you know, kind of biased towards them. Uh, but we'll see. But yeah, as far as your question, the Blues, uh, to my knowledge, haven't any trouble, perceived trouble with uh, Sutherland. Yeah, no. Um, and. Kelly's a good ref. I mean, you know, he just was one night where it was very, very, um, you know, it was weird, just his reactions and, and things like that. So, um, so you know, I think that, I, I don't know. I, I What do you think, Jeremy? I mean, I, like, I know that sometimes I get on the officiating pretty much. I mean, what's your opinion of the officiating this season? No, I think, uh, you know, for the most part, it's it's been better. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the cross-checking early on in the season, you didn't know where that was going to go because it seemed like every little uh, tap was a cross-checking penalty because they were keeping an eye on that. But for the most part, I, I don't think that it's been a, a huge issue down the stretch. And, you know, I'm just trying to recall the probably the second half of the, the season. Uh, you know, yeah, there's some bad calls and you know, coaches talk about them after the game and try to toe that line. But, uh, you know, there hasn't been anything really egregious uh, that I can recall. Uh, Greg, you on here? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Thanks for doing this, guys. So I got a question when it comes to the Blues second period success and with the change in the uh, playoff overtime rules, with the Blues being so successful in the long change, how do you guys see that impacting potential overtime games? Because that's such a big thing that's happened in these wild blues matchups uh, through the regular season with so many games going to overtime in the last two years. Yeah, it's been interesting. And uh, I know it seems like uh, with the blues, they've been terrific uh, second period, you know, most of the season, if not all the season uh, in terms of goal differential. Uh, but man, when they have a bad second period, they really have a bad second period. I'm talking getting out shot 10, nothing. <laughs> 11 nothing so on and so forth you know you, you i know this isn't your specific question but you touch on one thing the blues have been a really good uh team uh, in terms of winning games in regulation you know they've been a good comeback team they've been uh, a team that can close some games out therefore they're top five in the league in regulation wins uh, where they've had some trouble until recently was that three on three overtime uh, they did get a couple against uh, the wild so you know obviously overtime is going to be different three on three now it's uh, five on five but you know in terms of uh, the long change you know yeah that can be a factor but you know they have some uh, you know good defensemen who can skate and jump in the play and and, uh, you know, so that that helps uh, somewhat, Mike. But uh, what about the, the wild perspective in terms of the second period? Um, second periods have been hit or miss. I mean, they're really, really good third period team. Um, but a lot of play, a lot of teams uh, really struggle with the long change. Uh, the wild a couple games ago, the game that Fiala had five assists in that game. I mean, it was unbelievable. They scored, I think, uh, five goals in that second period. So. It's it's hit and miss. Uh, overtime is always that. It's always tricky in over in uh, in playoff overtime. So um, I appreciate the question, Jet Greg. Um, let's try Nicholas. Hey Mike, how are you? 
What's up? I got uh, actually a question for Jeremy. What does does Peron? Is he a is he a big uh, other team killer? As he's a wild killer, it always seems like he <laughs> just smokes us, and for whatever reason, I just can't stand it. <laughs> no, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't. Uh, off the top of my head, I, I can't think of any teams where he he really just uh, does them in. Um, but in ta- in terms of his season, uh, Nicholas, uh, he went through a stretch there. I think he had two goals in about twenty seven games, and his contracts up this year. There's a lot of questions about, you know, would they resign him? Would they bring him back? But um, he's really turned it up. had a had a great finish uh, near the top in scoring, and one of their uh, twenty goal scorers. They've got nine of them now, and tying that into this series, Mike. Uh, you know that line has done a really good job talking about Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron. And Brandon Saad, you're talking about three veterans. Uh, they'll probably have some defensive matchups, and they can bring some offense too. Uh, and the one guy who uh, you know had been struggling until recently offensively, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, but he gets four goals in his last two games. So now not only is that uh, line playing some defense, but uh, they're putting the puck in the net too, uh, which is what leads to all this balance that we keep talking about. But as far as David Perron, yeah, I do uh, recall. Uh, you know, now that you say that, he has. Had some pretty good numbers against the Wild. Ryan on my uh, fantasy team did nothing when I was uh, before. Then the championship ends and he goes on a tear, which uh, just not fair. Brandon Saad, by the way, is another player that uh, has scored a lot of goals against the Wild, especially in the playoffs. So two Wild killers on one line for the Blues. And that is an interesting thing. Like we we talk about here in Minnesota, uh, Jeremy, about how important the Felino, um, Erickson Eck and, and Greenway line is in terms of dictating matchups in the playoffs. But as you just mentioned, the Blues have nine 20 goal scorers. Um, you know, you, you can't just, uh, you know, really matchups to me, there's going to be mismatches throughout the series. It's not like Dean could sit there and play that line, you know, uh, four, 30, 40 minutes a night, right? So uh, the reality is, is that everybody on the wild are going to have to check and everybody on the wild are going to have to figure out ways to play in the offensive zone and not defend against a Blues team that has a lot more skill and a lot more speed than I think a lot of wild fans are accustomed to seeing back from when they were the big bad Blues. Yeah, no, Mike, you're absolutely right there. If I could just uh, piggyback on that, the Blues do have balance. And I I do think that, uh, you know, it it makes it less important with the matchups when you can roll out one of three lines where you got uh, all the 20 goal scorers on there. But I will say this. The Blues' best line is Robert Thomas in the middle with Buchnevich and Tarasenko. They went through a stretch, what was it, 26.15 games. It was every other night there was a highlight reel goal, and you know the line combined had uh, eight or nine points a night. Um, that's the line to stop. And so that's the line I think you're going to see Eric Sinek and, and those other two yeah. on uh, tonight when you have the matchup at home. Now listen, you know, do the Blues, can they throw the O'Reilly line at you? Yeah, they can. You know, but uh, even though they have three twenty goal scorers, it's not like you know. I don't think they're a threat every night. Now, similarly, you go down to what the Blues call their third line. You know, Braden Shen's coming off uh, a stretch where he didn't play the last four or five games of the regular season with an injury. So, how close to one hundred percent he is? And then on the right of him is Jordan Cairo, who's just had a you know completely. Uh, down second half of the season after being an all-star and, you know, the league's fastest skater. Uh, so when you think about this Blues lineup, and yes, it is a threat with all three of these lines, the main one I think that the Blue, that the uh, Wild are going to be focused on is that Thomas line. No doubt. And uh, every Wild fan knows Kyra from the Winter Classic. And, you know, Dean Evison usually is not big into matchups except for his defense. And I got to think that Brodeen and Dumbo will be out there against that top line all night long at home. DJN, 
It says you're in the room. What's up, DJ? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Um, it's kind of a question for both you guys. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, everyone knows kind of more about, like, the top lines for both teams. But uh, who would you say is, like, the biggest, like, underdog slash X Factor um, regarding both teams? Uh, for the wild, I mean, again, underdog, like, like, you know, somebody that I think that we don't talk a lot about that I think could come through big time is Freddie Goudreau. Um, Goudreau has been so, so good, um, here in the, in the, in the last little, uh, really month, two months of the season. I think we always just talk about Boldy and Fiala, Boldy, Fiala, but Goudreau has scored some massive goals. Um, he's so good defensively too. He's great in the neutral zone. So Goudreau would be my sort of unsung hero. Who do you think for you, for the blues? Yeah, and uh, you know I can't go with Kairu just because he put up four against the uh, Wild at that Winter Classic. Even though I think if he does play well, that's going to make a huge difference for the Blues. Look, all this talk about the top three lines with the Blues, you know I have to bring up the the fourth line. You're going to see uh, Tyler Bozak. You're going to see a guy Alexei Torpchenko, a big Russian. He's about six five. Uh, he's going to make his playoff debut. And on the opposite side of the spectrum from six five, you have Nathan Walker, who probably goes about five eight, standing on a on a phone book and uh you know he just brings it does everything in terms of the detail the game and plays tenacious so on and so forth uh but you know if you had if, if you had to pick one of those guys you know Torpchenko, he's got the body for it he's got the speed he arrives on pucks he does so many good things you know at the halfway point of the season uh, i don't think anybody would have thought alexi Torpchenko would be in game one for the blues in the playoffs against the wild, but he's going to get the nod. So, you know, unsung hero, a guy who can maybe make a difference, you know, as much as you can on the fourth line, that, that would be the guy I'd go with. Um, John, let's try you again. There you're John. Oh, hi guys. Hey, what's up? Uh, good, good. Uh, yeah, well, the first thing I read this morning was that juicy Soros is out for the predators, apparently, which was great news for blues and wild fans who they're going to watch their teams try to kill each other for six or seven games and then face the avalanche who have just like slept walked past the predators. But uh, <laughs> my question was actually to the, it's good that the lines have been brought up uh, in the past. The wild have kind of been done in by uh, just kind of being out in game coached by some other coaches. And as you discussed, Michael, that, uh, you know, Dean kind of just likes to trust his guys and throw his lines out there and get it done. And it's been successful, but I guess my question for you guys is, in the context of these two coaches, who do you think is the better, like the in-game bench general or making adjustments or shuffling lines? And do you think we'll see lines get shuffled over the course of the series? Dean doesn't do a lot of it. Um, he, he pretty much lets his guys go very, you know, sometimes we'll see him bench guys. Usually it's Fiala. Um, sometimes we'll see him shorten the bench. We haven't seen that a ton uh, really in the second half because they've been so, so good. Um, but we did see that early in the season when they were chasing a lot of games. Um, but usually, I mean, Gene has talked a lot lately where he doesn't do a lot of in-game coaching, that he just lets these guys go out there in a lot of ways freelance, um, let their talent shine. I think sometimes a lot of that is because the team never practices anymore. Um, so he pretty much lets these guys just go. Um, what's what's the way that uh, Chief does it there for uh, for the Blues there, Jeremy? Yeah, here's my take on that. And that's a great question. Thanks for uh, calling in and thanks for being a subscriber. Uh with Craig Berube, I don't know that he's so much a, a, a tactician, a guy who, you know, does a lot of things strategically that pay off. Like you're saying with uh, Dean, you know, I think he lets his guys play. But the one thing I'll say about Craig Berube uh, with regard to this question 
is he's such a gut feel guy. I can't count the number of stories that I've written going back since the Stanley Cup, where all of a sudden you'll see this third line guy pop up on the first line, or you'll see this third pair defenseman pop up in the top pair for the second part of the game, and all that all, all of a sudden that guy scores a, a big goal or makes a play, a big hit, or something like that. And then after the game, uh, you're talking to Craig Gruby, asking him about that move, and he said, ah, you know, I gut feel, gut feel there. So uh, mm-hmm. they seem to always pay off. They always seem to to work out, but he will, you know, bench guys occasionally. I don't know that we'll get to that here in the, in the postseason. He's going to let these guys play. Uh, but for the most part, a gut feel guy, as opposed to X's and O's. Yeah. Good question. Um, Daniel, are you in the room? It says you're in the room. I am. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. okay go, go for, for it. it. Yep. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys doing this to the best in the game. So, uh, this is great. Uh, both teams are rock solid at home, obviously. What do you think is going to be the key really for either team to break through on the road and, uh, and steal one to really take advantage of that home ice? Jeremy? Yeah, you know, I hate to keep spitting out regular season stats because they're not going to mean anything when you, you pull up to Excel tonight and, and see this crowd. And, and obviously the, the Wild are going to want to play well in front of them. Uh, but the Blues have been a good road team down the stretch here. They were 9-0-1 in their last uh, 10 games. They wound up uh, having that streak come to an end. They lost to Colorado. You know, that was a tough game, uh, not to go too much into the weeds on that, but Colorado had lost four in a row and really wanted yeah. to get the straightened out before the end of the regular season. And and so they were getting some guys back, and, and they took it to the Blues, uh, and the Blues lost that uh, road streak. But, you know, for the most part, th- they played better uh, on the road, I think, uh, north-south hockey. But one thing that I'll say is uh, David Braun himself. So here's a guy who's been around for a while, played for a number of teams, you know, won a cup with the Blues, went to the cup final with Vegas. He said, I prefer to start on the road. If we're going to play the Minnesota Wild, you know, I want to have everybody focused. Uh, Let's go up to Minnesota play and get it started. So at the very least, you know, this is a pretty much a veteran team. A lot of these guys have a cup under their belt and I don't think they're intimidated by this. But I got to say, like, I've been thinking about what this crowd's going to look like tonight uh, for a couple of days. And and I think it's going to be a tough assignment. Yeah, Wild were had a home ice advantage in 2015. Lost to, was it 2015 or 2017? Uh, lost to the Blues. What was that 15? I thought uh, yeah. in the first round. Is that the Blues series? Or was that 2016? I can't even remember. Um, but then uh, you know, 2008, Wild won the division, home ice advantage. Lost to the Avs in 2003, home ice advantage against Anaheim, and lost that. So Wild 0 and 3 when they have home ice advantage. You know, I think that uh, you talk about home ice in this series. I, I think it's going to be big. And, you know, I think it's going to go seven games. And I do believe that, uh, you know, both teams are going to have their moments in the. Uh, okay, yeah, but, but Mike, I'm just talking about home ice uh, with these guys a little bit more. Uh, and then you can jump in is, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be critical. You know, even though the Blues have that balance on the lines and, and matchups may not be as big of an issue, you know, the fact that the Wild get those matchups these first two games, you can kind of set the tone uh, for the series. So uh, to me, yeah, home one, ice is going to be big here. Yeah. Yeah. One win and you steal home ice. And look, as I was saying, uh, when I got cut off there, Wild uh, 0-3 all time with home ice advantage. So uh, it's not the end all be all, that's for sure. Uh, Where'd you go, Mike? Did you go for lunch or what'd you do there? Yeah, I don't know. I was talking to myself until I realized that I was gone. <laughs> I have an agent that keeps on calling me. So I think that's what finally uh, did me in. Um, Jamie, uh, Jamie, you are in the room. What's up? Hey, Mike. Hey, Jeremy. How are you? How are you? Good. Hey. good. Really good. Um, it's more of a sarcastic statement than a question, but, um, it's hard to believe that, um, Hartman's bird to Evander Kane was more <laughs> of a, you know, 
injury than a hit to Felino and to um, Kulikov. Can anybody explain that to me or any of the Wild fans? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of you're talking the fine. Um, yeah, if if uh, I mean the big big thing with that is that it's all collective bargaining agreements, so they decided to fine them. There's a certain percentage based on your salary that 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 the fine goes, and and for him it was forty two fifty based on the salary of of uh, of McDermott. It was what twenty one hundred ish, and um, the O'Connor one, which I was surprised he didn't get suspended because I thought that was pretty egregious. Um, he gets what a se- I can't even remember seventeen hundred ish. Um, at least the Hartman one turned out to be just uh, turned out to be an incredible, uh, no pun intended, gesture. Right? I mean, not only does he raise forty thousand dollars for Children's Minnesota, but then Barstool does the T-shirt with his approval. Uh, he's friends with those guys from Chicago, and they raised fifty nine grand, so almost a hundred grand uh, raised for Children's Minnesota just because of essentially the hate that. <laughs> It's around the league for Evander Kane. Um, pretty unbelievable. So I'm gonna flip you uh, up. See if we can raise some money for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Brad F. We are putting you in the room, Brad F. There you are. What's up, Brad? Hey guys, thanks for doing this. Yeah. Uh, two questions. One of them's a little bit sarcastic, but can you plant a seed to both teams that uh, they don't go too hard on each other, so that they're screwed in the next round? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then the the second is more of a question for you, Russo, if that's possible. Is do you yep. think they're potentially saving Talbot for the more challenging away games, given he's had a better overall performance lately than Flurry, although not against the Blues. Yeah, um, I don't know if they're thinking like that. I mean, Dean usually is a, I mean, for the horrible cliche, uh, one game at a time guy. I guarantee he's not thinking like that. I think this was just their their. I, I know they debated this one hard um, on who to put in. Um, you know, I the way that Talbot has played in St. Louis, I don't think that would make a lot of sense to just save him for those games. I think they just feel like they want to just start off and and put uh, Flurry in there and try to win a game here. And if Flurry plays well, you put him in game two. But you got Talbot there. Uh, I think the telltale sign at the end was that Flurry played three games in a row at one point. Um, before the final, uh, you know, couple uh, home games, but we'll see how that all uh, transpires. You know, it, it, sometimes in these playoff series, you focus on so much on one thing, and then you just forget about all the other things, and that turns out to be the focus. And I think we've probably made a little too much more into goaltending here, just because they've they've had this goalie rotation down the stretch. Um, the reason why I'm a little surprised is because to uh, to me, Talbot did everything that he possibly could to earn that game one start. Plus they have him under contract next year. So now you're sort of, if, if you ride flurry for a while here, you're sort of saying to the guy that you're expecting to be your number one next year, that we had no faith in you and to start the playoffs. And that is an issue that I think the wilder might have to deal with in the off season. If this continues to be a flurry show, uh, Jeremy, what were you going to say? Well, just real similar situation. I mean, uh, you know, in St. Louis, you have Jordan Bennington under contract for the next five years, and they're going to Billy Huso, who's an unrestricted yep. free agent, like literally could walk in a couple weeks. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a great point. Um, let's see. I'm putting Tyler in the room. Let's see. Tyler, there you are. Tyler? Hey, guys. Yeah, hey, there you are. This. Um, quick question here. Um, regarding game management, which I don't want to beat it to death and I don't want to rag on the refs or anything like that. But, you know, there's this very pervasive narrative that penalties are essentially non-existent in the playoffs, or if they are, 
called. It's offsetting minors or garbage time majors that get called. But if you look at the numbers, I think Merrick touched on this last week, um, that they do get called. There are penalties in the offseason or sorry, in the playoffs. And I just want to know, like, what is the expectation in terms of how heavy handed the game management is going to be? Do you think it's going to be a lot of like players sorting things out themselves or can we expect a fairly heavy handed series in terms of game management? Jeremy? Yeah, it's tough to say going into a series. I mean, they, they seem to, you know, show you what it's going to be like in that first game. So we haven't even seen a, a game yet. So, um, you know, tough to say. I will say this. If, if this becomes a penalty-filled uh, series, it could be to the Blues' advantage. You know, yeah. you're familiar with the uh, the numbers. Uh, the Blues have the second-ranked power play in the league and the fifth-best penalty kill. Last check, the Wild, Mike, you can correct me, uh, 17th and 25th. So the Blues have been better special teams throughout the year. Um, you know, could that lead to a difference of a goal here, goal there? You know, who knows? But in terms of the heavy-handedness, just so hard to say, having not uh, even seen game one yet. Yeah, exactly. And and again, because you have different refs every game, there's always a different standard going into every game, which makes it uh, sometimes very tough. But um, to me, it, it, like Jeremy said, we're going to have to see how these two guys um, call tonight's game. Uh, Wild fans are familiar with Sutherland because he did the last two home games as well. So, you know, <laughs> we have a little understanding of the way that he might call it, um, which has let a lot of stuff go. Um, but you know, uh, the one thing that that uh, that he did say that I completely agree with that drives me crazy sometimes in the playoffs is is it just always seems that every goal mouth scrum or any uh, battle that turns out to be a couple players or, you know, a bunch of players winds up being a four on four. And I think that sometimes the referees just feel like they're just all right. We're not impacting the game if we have a four on four. But if you had a team like the Wild years ago when they were playing Colorado and there were like nine four on fours in the series, that doesn't actually help either. Uh, uh, one team, especially in that series, Minnesota. Uh, Kevin H. Kevin, what's up? Uh, thank you both for doing this. I know you guys have touched on, you know, uh, different um, factors that could lead to the series. Talked about the special teams a little bit. Uh, what I'm wanting to know is for, e- for each of you, uh, each team will win this series if blank. Jeremy? Yeah, Mike, I can go. Um, you know, to me, with the Blues, it's uh, establishing the forecheck. The Blues, you know, like a lot of other teams in the league, I get it. You know, I don't say the Blues are, you know, alone in this. But uh, the Blues are a completely different team when they get on the forecheck and when they don't. You know, if, if they can get their three lines that score going and then also they have the fourth line coming in and taking care of that kind of stuff, you know, then they just kind of control games. And even if they get down by a goal or two, they can come back. Uh, you know, they, they've got a defense that's not very physical, uh, but they can skate. They can get the puck out. Um, so I, I think opponents need to be a little bit careful of that because if the defense, you know, the Justin Falks and Tory Krugs and these guys get the puck up ice and then you're getting in on the forecheck, it's just a different type of game. But I will say this. I've seen this Blues team so many times where they don't establish the forecheck. They just can't get in and there's no zone time. And all of a sudden they find themselves trailing by three nothing. So, you know, I think if you had to ask uh, Craig Bruby this question, say, hey, you know, what's the series going to be like after two games? You know, he says, tell me about the forecheck. That's going to be the difference. Yeah, and I would say the Wild would say the same thing when they're really good. It's it's not track meets. It's when they establish the forecheck and tire out the blue line. And I think you can get to their blue line. Um, you know, I, I really do. Uh, Jeremy and I have talked about this a lot where I just don't think that they're this version of the – I love this version of the Blues up front. 
Um, it's their blue line from 2019 that if you put on this team, you make them automatically a Stanley Cup contender. Um, eliminating turnovers at both blue lines uh, will be absolutely paramount for the Wild. If the Wild are going to, especially at the offensive blue line, turn pucks over like they some of their skilled players are prone to do, um, it is going to be a long. It's going to be a longer frankly, a short series because I just I, I love the Blues on transition. And if you're going to be facing odd man rush after odd man rush, it's not going to be um, a good recipe for success. Garrett, you're on here. Garrett. You got me. Yep. yep. What's up? Hey, guys. Happy Monday. Um, just wanted to <laughs> ask real quick, um, as far as chemistry goes, I mean, the wild haven't seen the full lines back for what has it been? Two, three weeks now since we've had everyone. Is that going to play? a role, you know, coming out game one without having, you know, them skating together in an actual game for a bit, or do you think that's going to be fine and they're, they're going to come out hot? Yeah. Erickson Eck was asked that question today and, and, um, you know, from the Minnesota perspective and, uh, he basically is like, look, uh, Greenway, me and Felino played together for years. Uh, so it's not going to be an issue. Same thing with Zuccarello and Kaprizov. It's not going to be an issue now that Zuccarello is back in the lineup. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest concern for me is is the back end because I just, you know, you just know that Jared Spurgeon and Matt Dunbar are not completely healthy. I mean, you just know it, right? And so, um, you know, are they going to be able to, the fact that, that at least yesterday in practice, we'll see if it happens, that Dumbo wasn't even on the power play just shows you that he must be playing with still a significant injury that they don't feel like he could shoot the puck though, the way that we know that he can. So, um, you know, I think that would be the biggest issue. Anything there from your perspective with the Blues? You mentioned Shen being out lately and all yeah, that. Yeah, not too much. I mean, they've been rolling with the, the same lines for the better part of that uh, point streak, what, 14 on 2 But, yeah, with Shen out, they moved Tyler Bozak up to the third-line center. And Bozak's a guy, uh, he had a groin tear, and so he's just now back in the lineup himself but knocking the rust off uh, pretty quickly. You know, So they had him in that third-line spot where uh, Shen normally plays with Barbashev and Kairu, but now with uh, Shen back. Uh, Bozak's pushed down to the middle of that fourth line. But yeah, to, to answer the question, the biggest thing is, you know, how close to 100% is uh, Braden Shen? I can't believe Jeremy's still at the arena. Are, <laughs> Are you staying, staying all day? day? No, I think we'll break off, maybe run over to Tom's for a little bit. Nice. Yeah, if you want to meet Jeremy while uh, during this series, especially if you're a diehard Blues fan, you'll find him at Tom Reed's. Um, Nobody is going into the stage right now, so we might have to t- let's try Sean. There we go, Sean. What's up? What's up? Yeah, you guys got me. Yep. 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 Perfect. Um, I know Jeremy touched on the uh, power play and the special teams for the Blues a little bit, and they've had some success this year. So this may be a little more directed towards the Wild, but um, you know, for the Wild, Michael, do you think it's kind of for their power play and their or their special teams to succeed? Do you feel like they've kind of been doing a lot of things bad, or do you think it's more that they're just maybe not capitalizing on some chances because? You know, I'm curious, yeah. and obviously their numbers have been pretty low, so I'm just wondering if that's going to be kind of a big thing, if they can kind of get that figured out into this series, you know? I think it's always a, with, with the Wild, it is always a combination of many things. When they're not good, it usually starts with a lost face-off, and then it takes them a bunch of seconds off the clock to get back into the zone. But when they're not good in the offensive zone, it's when they become too cute. And usually when they become too cute, it's when they are just scoring and scoring and scoring at even strength, and they just want to continue to just get style points rather than just doing what they do well, which is getting pucks on net and letting guys like Hartman and Erickson Eck crash. Uh, you know, sometimes they just get, they try to make the perfect play, and, you know, they have a lot more skill than we're used to ever seeing them have, and I think sometimes um, they just, they try to 
show off, especially that happens at ho- on home ice. A lot of times their power play has been better on the road in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah. Kyle, you're next. What's up? Kyle, I clicked you into the stage about 10 minutes ago, but you just popped in there. What's going on? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. All right. I just wanted to know how both teams are physically and how injuries are going to affect the series from both teams' perspectives from both you guys. Jeremy? Yeah, yeah, Mike, I'll touch yeah, on yeah, that. You know, I think uh, physicality is probably a little bit of a blues fan going into this series. series. You know, they, so they, they, show they show it on some nights, and it looks, it looks real, real good. good. Uh, it, if you see it, it's going to be a guy like Ivan Barbashev uh, playing really well. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, they, you know, they only have uh, uh, the expansion draft, but when they didn't protect Tarasenko, they protected Ivan Barbashev. He's had an, He's an absolute career year, you know, 25-plus goals and one of their best hitters. Uh, so he's a, he's a guy who can bring you know, it. I touched a minute ago. He's a big, he's a physical presence, but you know, if he's not healthy, how much money can be? So to so me, this goes back, back to the fourth line. line. Uh, Torupchenko, you know, can he bring that element in this series? Yeah, I think he can. Yeah, Tyler Bozak, he's a veteran. We know what he does. That's not really his style of game. And then Nathan Walker, even though he's a you know diminutive guy, small guy, um, he's been one of their top hitters in terms of uh, hits per 60 minutes. So um, I, I think that it is a concern, though, going in against this wild lineup uh, that the Blues might not be able to match them in terms of the physicality. Yeah, and uh, Wild, we know, I mean, a lot of guys have been out lately. And so you, you know, just know that they're not exactly 100%, and, uh, but they're going to get through. I mean, Felino, Zuccarello, um, Greenway, uh, Dumba, all these guys. Um, let's try Blake. I'm trying to put you in there. I have a question regarding matchups earlier, but you guys kind of stole that. So I guess I'll pivot. Where do you think the goaltending duos of uh, Husso and Bennington will kind of compare? They kind of gone under the radar compared to Flurry and Talbot. And how do you think goaltending will factor into the series? Jeremy? Yeah, well, here's the thing is uh, Jordan Bennington got off to a great start this year. I want to say he was, what, 6-0, and 7-1-1 uh, early on. Uh, but then uh, he had a bout with COVID, and when he came back, uh, just couldn't find any consistency. He just looks out of sorts. Like, there's a lot of sliding around. You know, Mike, I'm sure you, you know, put the disclaimer on things. I always say, look, I'm not a goalie. I'm not a goalie expert. Uh, but when you watch these games, uh, it just looks like he's moving around too much. And so he lost the starting job, as we know, who's going to start game one uh, tonight. And that's kind of been the story the second half of the season for the St. Louis Blues. And then Huso, you know, you want to call it an unknown because uh, who knows how he's going to respond in the playoffs. But, you know, I, I did some work uh, on him. He's uh, from Finland. I spoke to Corpusalo in Columbus. He's friends with him. Uh, Corpusalo said, listen, you know, this guy has it. He has the mental makeup of, of what it takes uh, to play in the playoffs. I've been playing against him since I was 15 years old. Uh, we had a lot of good head-to-head battles. So he has a lot of faith in Billy Huso, even though he doesn't have the uh, the experience. So, you know, where does it stack up against Talbot and uh, and Flurry, you know Bennington has the Stanley Cup, but since he's not playing well, you know how much can you count on him at this point? And then if you're looking at Huso versus uh, Talbot and uh, and Flurry, you know I think the Wild have the experience in that department. So you know, if the Blues are going to win this series, uh, it's going to have to be because Huso really responded well. Uh, v Rain ninety one. I assume you're a Tarasenko fan. What's up? Uh, so that's actually, that's actually my birth year is 91, same as Terry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually had two questions. Um, 
first off, and this is for both of you, uh, what are the strengths and weaknesses you think for each team's fourth line and how do you think it could impact uh, the series? And then the second question is for Mike. Um, what do you think about the last time the Blues met the Wilds um, and they lost in game five to a Magnus Pajarvi, uh Just a really good goal. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't PRV and then he then all of a sudden they went to play to Nashville and next thing you know he's like scratched throughout the series and I'm just like that's just so typical. Yeah, and I think Mike, uh, I think I knew the Uber driver that picked up PRV later that night after the Blues got home from uh, Minnesota and just was talking, telling me about how this this PRV was just on cloud nine, you know, hours and hours after. <laughs> all right. Um, what was the for what was the first question there, Jeremy? You can go for strengths it. and weaknesses with the fourth line, and I've kind of touched on it a little bit. I'd actually like to hear your answer on this one, but you know, just in a synopsis, the strength and weakness of this uh, Blues fourth line. You know, the weaknesses they just don't have in terms of the wingers, uh, Torpchenko and Walker, any playoff experience they do with Bozak in, in the middle. Um, I would say the strength is they've been playing well down the stretch here. Whoever the Blues have put on that fourth line, uh, they've really started to create an identity here lately. So that would be probably the strength, I would say. Yeah, and uh, in terms of the Wilds, I mean, they're going with Delorier, Jost, and um, Duhem. Uh They love Delorier. I mean, hard-hitting. Talks a lot of smack. If you watched last Becoming Wild, he basically told uh, Barbashev that he's got four games to kill him, which uh, <laughs> I was shocked the Wild put that out there. Um, Jost has played well when he was bumped up in the lineup. He hasn't done much for me on the fourth line, and obviously Duhame, they just love his physicality out there. They also have Bukestead and Durer able to come off the uh, bench, but they just love that line to play You know, uh, quality, strong defensive minutes, trust them against everybody. And, and we saw that in, we saw that basically in, um, Jack, are you there? Yep. I'm here. You guys hear me? All right. Yeah. Jack, you can go there. But, uh, the one thing, just to finish my thought on the fourth line, uh, Dean loves to put them out there in key moments, especially in the last minute, minute and a half of games. And I don't know if you remember the last game in St. Louis, uh, Jeremy, you're probably still thinking about the time that you spent for three hours in the elevator. But that game almost ended in the final minute of the third period because they put because Barubi put out the Tarasenko line against the Wilds uh, fourth line. And it was a hellacious, hellacious final minute for the Wilds. So I think think. Still, some points, uh, Dean needs to realize that that line maybe uh, can be a liability at times. Uh, Jack, go for it. Perfect. Yeah, kind of going off what you're talking about with uh, like line talk. To start game one, obviously, the Wild had the last change. Uh, it's you know helpful for the home team and kind of the line matchups. And reminiscing about, you know, Nita Ryder, Hall, Fontaine kind of shutting down McKinnon, Sassy, and Lattice in 2014. Uh, what do you guys think could be a specific matchup that we need to look for and for Jeremy as well, too, how does St. Louis counter that as well? Um, Man, you have much better memory than me. The only thing I remember about that 2014 series was Hala basically shadowing uh, McKinnon in Minnesota uh, all game long after McKinnon really lit them up in Colorado. And if you remember, if you look at the stats for that se series, McKinnon was like a minus, a, you know, gazillion here in Minnesota and didn't score a lot of points. But uh, in, in Colorado, he was absolutely dominant. Um, except in game seven when the wild, uh, were really, really good. Um, you know, to me, the, I, I just want to see this Erickson Eck line and what they're going to do with that line. And if they could figure out a way to shut down the Thomas line at home and then just sort of, 
then you have both two different threats with Kaprizov and um, and Fiala's line basically being dangerous every single time. There are times a lot lately where we've seen the top line struggle, maybe be too cute, turn pucks over, not get a lot going. Uh, last year in the playoffs, Kaprizov learned that they are going to drape themselves all around him. I've, I'd be interested to see if Berube looked at, looked at that film to see what Vegas did to really shut down um, uh, shut down Kaprizov. Um, but that's the good news about this Wild team is they've got multiple threats. Um, how do you think the Wild are going to defend those two, or the Blues are going to defend those two lines, Jeremy? Yeah, Mike, before I touch on that, kind of funny, uh, yesterday I was asking Craig Berube, and I kind of just assume, I said, so uh, what do you think about the Erickson Eck line going up against the, the Thomas line? He said, oh, is that the matchup? And I said, yeah, it probably will be, you know, Chief. And uh, he says, no, Dean didn't call me and tell me that yet. So uh, he was laughing laughing that situation off. But, you know, the one thing that we have to add on this, Mike, is uh, with matchups, hey, it's great to be at home and it's great to get the one, the, the, the number one matchup that you want, but y- you can't necessarily get them all, right? And especially it's going to be difficult, as we said earlier, uh, with the Blues having uh, the three scoring lines. Uh, but the one thing, you know, let's automatically assume that uh, Everson wants uh, Eck on the Thomas line. You know, I think the Blues are probably going to want uh, O'Reilly on uh Kaprizov on that top yeah. line and and so you know how to how does you know Dean get away from that if he wants to if he's if he's got Erickson Eck up against uh, the Thomas line because the Blues are try to get O'Reilly out against uh, Kaprizov so to me that's going to be that cat, cat and mouse game with those two lines and remember again Dean is not the biggest matchup guy so you know it wouldn't just shock me if he just says you know what if you want O'Reilly against Kaprizov fine we'll just throw Piala out there against you know uh Nicole all night. Um, Matt, uh, if you're still in there, you can unmute your phone. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's, um, what's going on, guys? Good you doing this again. It's always good to talk to Jeremy. Uh, my question is, how short of a leash do you think Chief's going to have on Cairo for not playing a 200-foot game? And also for the game itself, I'm thinking the Blues' fourth line might be that line that makes the difference. Yeah, we've touched a little bit on the fourth line today, um, but I, I want to get to your question about uh, Cairo. Um, you know, Leash, like I don't think he's going to be a healthy scratch in game two if he doesn't play well tonight. And I know I'm kind of overstating that. I know I'm kind of just trying to spell uh, out what I think the situation is. So w- with Cairo, and I know you weren't insinuating, you know, a healthy scratch for Cairo if he doesn't play well, you know, during this series. But look, that's why they've been hammering at home with Cairo so much the past uh, three, four, five weeks. Uh, in terms of uh, he needs to play the 200-foot game, and he's got to be responsible defensively. Craig Bruby said the other day, when you got that much speed, you have the ability to close out so many plays and you know snuff them out before they even become something. And Kairou doesn't do that, and and he has to in this series. So you know the leash, do they you know take away some ice time? You know potentially, or if the series gets really physical. And the Blues realize they need to get some physicality in there. You know, maybe Torpchenko goes up to that uh, third line. They bring Dakota Joshua into the lineup. You know, who knows? What does that mean for Jordan Cairo? I don't know. Uh, this is going to be a really important series for him in terms of his development. Is he a, you know, half a season guy who can put up great numbers and, you know, uh, disappear in the second half and not be a playoff player? Or is this a guy who can really uh, become, you know, one of the two best players in your organization? Uh, I think a lot of that's on the line with Cairo right now. 
we're going to do this for about 10 or 15 more minutes. And we're also thinking that we're going to do this on uh, Wednesday for game two and Friday for game three as well. Probably a similar time. So look at our Twitter accounts. Also, if you want to meet Jeremy, there's nobody better. Uh, he will be at my podcast at Split Rocks tomorrow at Wyoming in Wyoming at 7 p.m. Uh, Jeremy will be my guest with Anthony LaPanta on that podcast. So that'll be fun. Zach, you can unmute your phone. Um, glad you touched on Cairo. I was going to ask about that a little bit. Uh, but for you, Mike, uh, Boldy has been so good all year long. Uh, <clears throat> I'm just concerned that he may disappear in the playoffs. Uh, do you see that or do you think he's going to step his game up and continue to produce at the level that he has? Um, I, I see that. Um, I, I just... I don't know. I mean, there's just something about this kid. He he plays in traffic. He's so good at protecting the puck. I mean, obviously, we're not going to know until we see it. But these have been hard, hard games down the stretch, and he's performed. He's scoring a point a game. If he played all season long, the Wild would have seven twenty goal scorers as opposed to six. Um, he is a um, heck of a player, and I just think that line is going to be so important for this team for this uh, series as well. So I'd be shocked if Boldy just uh, sort of disappeared. This guy. Um, I mean, you look at his numbers this year, and he's been, uh, if you map them out over 82 games, every advanced metric, he's uh, as good as you get on this uh, as on this team. So it'll be, I think it's really cool that he's going to get this, this experience that he almost got last year in the playoffs. He came very, very, very close to playing game six. Uh, Lucas, you're on the Rutherford and Russo show. What's, What's up, up, Lucas? Lucas? Lucas seems to be. Hey, gone. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, have you ever had this happen? I know you record a lot of podcasts over the years. Sometimes it seems like you can find the quietest place in the entire arena, and then all of a sudden and the they, rolling cart just uh, follows. Yeah, you. no. Uh, that, yeah, that uh, that happened to us in St. Louis a couple of weeks ago as well, and it was just uh, especially after a game. You, you remember anything about that game, by the way? Oh, you no. know which which, which, which writer took, took the passenger elevator up? I think that you did, and the one I uh, took up, uh, I had a visit of about an hour and 47 minutes with some other uh, 11 other writers. I cannot, I honestly still can't believe that. Um, nobody seems to be going to the stage right now. Let's see. Tammy gets in there. Tammy's a veteran at this, so I bet you she'll wind up in there. I knew you'd wind up in there, Tammy. <laughs> Can you, know you guys hear listening? me? Yeah. T- Tammy, uh, now Daniel C., you just suddenly wound up in the stage, so just mute your phone, Daniel. Uh, Tammy, our resident uh, Minnesota Wild slash Miami Dolphins fan. What's up? Actually, Steelers, then Dolphins. Got to go with the better team. But Minnesota Wild all the way. I want you to know that when I was in Pittsburgh here just a couple weeks ago, I wore my Minnesota Wild gear everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Very cool. What's up? Um, Quick, quick, easy question. Uh, It's actually for Jeremy. And I had typed it in because I didn't know if I'd get in. But do the Colorado Avalanche fans bother you nearly as much as they bother Michael? Um, uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I mentioned one time on Twitter that they don't bother me. And Mike Russo said, oh, my gosh, I think I've blocked about a thousand of them over the past couple of years. So, yeah, uh, I don't know that I've blocked a single one. But, no, I don't think uh, that, that <laughs> you know, there is a rivalry there for sure. And, you know, Colorado is really good. But I don't think it's to the extent of this wild abs thing. Yeah, I think it's more of a Russo thing. They just don't seem to like me. And I'm such a likable, likable person. Don't you agree? 
Come on, come on. Yeah. The, the one, one thing I am going to say before, honestly, uh, the game tonight on Twitter, and I and I'm actually going to meet. I mean, it's going to come off probably people funny, but um, but the old, you know, can't we all just get along? Like it would just be so cool this series if. You know, first of all, nobody should attack you because you're like the nicest human ever. And I sometimes probably get a little too opinionated on Twitter, which I know irks the other fans. But I think both fan bases, too, if they can just, you know, chill out on each other. It's the it's the constant hating that winds up on my timeline that sets me off in the games. And there's just there's something about these as fans. I don't know if Adrian Dater has just conditioned them to just hate me over the years, but it is just it's 17 years uh, of just uh, dislike. And as hey, Mike, Mike, alluded, speaking, uh, uh, yeah. Mike, before you move on, how are blues fans? Like how, what's your interaction? Blues fans, fans are, are great. great. I, I have one fan that starts like 17 accounts until I figure out that it's the same person. I get rid of them. Um, there was one like years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I know that was you. Um, that's your burner. There was one guy years ago that was like, God, I can't remember if he was like an SID at a local college there or something. And he used to just destroy me on Twitter. Um, but, uh, I like blues fans. The, the thing about blues fans is that they're they're very smart. Um, you know they've wa- they heck, I mean they've they've watched this game a long long time. I I like uh it'll it I think it'll be a good series, but we should try to figure out a way right now for the fans to get along. You know you could have your fandom and all that stuff, but let's uh let's not attack each other. Uh, Daniel, un- unmute yourself. Daniel C. Hey, can What's you guys up? hear me? Yep. Yep. Um. So Kaprizov and Fiala both had unbelievable years, but have had some uh, well-documented struggles in the playoffs. What have you seen this year that uh, should make Wild fans believe that they're going to actually be able to perform this year? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you know, the one thing is that last year in the playoffs, I don't think that really Fiala struggled last year in the playoffs. Fiala generated a ton of chances, a ton of chances. He just couldn't beat Flurry. And um, he had 22 shots. He had, uh, you know, finally in game six, he got to flurry. And, and it really was Fiala that really helped the Wild get to a game seven. Um, Kaprizov, I think, had a big learning lesson last postseason. Um, you know, he, you know, obviously, this is somebody that's played in huge games throughout his career. World Juniors, Olympics, uh, KHL championships, was probably on his way to winning a second one before the pandemic interrupted that season in 2020. Um, but I think he learned that the NHL is a different animal in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they played him hard. They played Zuccarello hard, and so I think a lot of I think a lot of the help that could happen right now with Kaprizov could be Ryan Hartman creating space for them by going to the net, um, playing playing with them, and and so I'll be interested to see. I think that both learned a lot uh, last year. Doubles question mark. You're on the uh, Russo and Rutherford show, and we're going to wrap this up in about five minutes. Hey, Mike uh, Wild played. I believe in Nashville twice in April and in the first game, I want to say there was like four fights in the first period. Yeah. And there's a great chance I'm overthinking this, but is there any chance the wild maybe after that game kind of step back and kind of came to the realization that, (laughs) you know, they're in danger of something that teams that are built the way they kind of are now, in which their opponents can, kind of use their own aggressiveness against them and get them off their game. Um, I don't think we saw that nearly as much the the second time they went back into Nashville after that. But uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I don't think that you're overthinking it at all, actually. I, I think the Wild, I think, one, I do think they struggle against teams that are sort of built like them. I think we've seen that with Calgary. 
Um, we've seen that with Nashville. I mean, they are a physical big team, much bigger than than the teams that we've seen before. I think that game was all about them getting their really their ass kicked uh, this season against the Predators and feeling like they had to go in there and show that they're this different, you know, you know, hard nosed team. And I think that the players themselves are the ones that sort of started that thing. And I think it absolutely worked against them. Not only that, it got Matt Dumba hurt because he was trying to sort of join the fray and open ice hitting a guy that was like, you know, eight inches bigger than him and about 50, 60 pounds bigger with him. And it put him out with a pop shoulder. So, um, you know, look, uh, I think that they've got to realize that, look, fighting doesn't happen in the playoffs. You can play the Blues hard, but I don't think they want to try that right now with the Blues. That's for sure. Um, let's see if Cameron hops. Yep. Mike, yeah. let me throw something in there. Um, you know, the Blues didn't have a lot of fights this year. In fact, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, Kadri had the big hit on Falk last year in the playoffs. And so the Blues uh, threw down with uh, Kadri a couple times this year, but not, not a lot of fights. And the other thing is, you know, for I know Minnesota fans have watched this Blues team this year and seen them a lot, but um, there just isn't a lot of the antagonist type play from them anymore. You know, watching this team this season, yeah. they just. They, they just go out and play. So, yeah, they're going to be scrums. They're going to be issues. Obviously, it's the playoffs. And watch, you get, you'll clip this soundbite and play it back for me after there's like a team-wide brawl tonight or something like that. <laughs> but but all I'm saying is, uh, you know, that's what's different, I think, about this Blues team than a few years ago with the David Backuses and, you know, some of those bigger guys who throw their weight around and, um, you know, Steve Otts. Ryan Reeves. Yeah, Ryan Reeves, you know, that type of team. You know, these guys uh, go out and, and play their game, and uh, really the, the situations like that are pretty limited. Yeah. They're, the way they antagonize probably like the Wild, you know, a lot of, you know, I mean, you know David Perron. He likes to talk on the ice. So it'll be interesting. I think Perron and Flurry are buddies, and that'll be interesting, a little matchup. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they played in Vegas. Um, same agent. Um, you know, I saw when Flurry was on the bench last St. Louis game. Perron kept on skating over and talking to him during play and things like that. Cameron. Hey, guys. Uh, neither team should be looking past this series, but you know, how are the teams trying to match up against probably a rested Colorado team? Do you see you know, either team <laughs> resting a top six or nine player just with the depth that they have? No, I definitely don't see that. Um, you must be the same person that keeps on tweeting me if the Wild have a home ice advantage in the Western Conference Final. I'm just like, can we just get through one? Let's see if they win one win against the Blues, because that haven't happened a lot, long, long time. Um, I don't see resting uh, guys getting ready. For, you you play this one all out, and then you try to get into the next round, right, Jeremy? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, shoot, this isn't the NBA. You know, I don't even think they, you know, guys don't want to be rested going down the stretch there that last week of the season. Yeah. You know, much well, there was the playoffs. There was a great anecdote about Game 82 where, where they told uh, Jared Spurgeon that he wasn't going to play that night, and Jared got angry and told him, no, I'm playing tonight. So, so Yeah, that's hockey right there. And, hey, listen, I think the Blues are coming at it the same exact way. If they're somehow able to get past uh, Minnesota, they'll feel fortunate, and then they'll just roll the dice against Colorado. Not, neither team is going to be favored in that series regardless, and who knows how beat up everybody will be after this first-round series. But you get to Colorado when you get there, right? Yeah, and Nashville is a team that could beat you up too. So, Dominic. Uh, obviously the wild space offs have not been their strong suit this year. Just curious to know how good, uh, blue centers are and kind of how those matchups will work out. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy, I'll let you go there. Is that my buddy, Dominic? Yes, sir. Long time. No see. Yep. yep. How, how you, you doing, doing bud? Good. Oh, there go you go. For it. Go for it, Jeremy. Yeah, the face-offs have been pretty good this year. Um, you know, they have their off nights for sure, but Ryan O'Reilly's been one of the best in the business uh, for a number of years here. And the one guy to keep an eye on, if you're looking at the draws, is uh, Robert Thomas. You know, he's ascended into that top six role now. 
and and kind of taken over that uh, second line center position. And of course, been a big part of that line with Buchnevich and Tarasenko. And listen to this, Mike. His draws, he was about 41, 42% last year. And, you know, I haven't looked at it probably in a few days or a week, but, uh, you know, he was up at 49, 50% at one point in the season, doing a lot of work with Steve Ott uh, during practice, after practice, improving those faceoff numbers. And that's been key for him. You'll see, this is one thing to pay attention to. You'll see late in games. Now, Ryan O'Reilly, what a career 55% guy. Uh, he'll he'll take a back seat to Robert Thomas taking a draw, even wow. in the D zone late in the game. So that's what they think of Robert Thomas in those late game situations. Nice. Um, Cole was in there. Cole, you still there or did I lose you? There you are, Cole. What's up? Yep. Um, yeah, I was just wondering. So Felino with his injury, do you think we're going to see his ice time kind of cut in half? And then do you think if this happened in the middle of the season that one of those guys, you know, O'Connell or McDermott would have gotten a game or two? I don't think so. I think the league doesn't look at it like that. Um, I think they look at the McDermott play as very much like the Felino play in um, Columbus, um, where at the last second, Voracek moved, and at that point, you're committed to your hit, and you just instinctually move your leg. Um, I knew McDermott wasn't getting suspended. Uh, you know, that just was not... I covered, the, I mean, just to date myself... Um, and just by the way, to date myself, Jeremy, on I was I did that ESPN 101 today, and I called the uh, Enterprise Center the Keel Center accidentally. Um, but just to date myself, you know, I covered the the N- NHL in the nineties. Neon knee hits were na- yeah, neon uh, knee hits were 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 absolutely epidemic then. I mean, it was like you know, it was like once a week a guy was getting his knee blown out, and and I've seen classic neon knee hits, and that one. To me, the other day was a guy going for a check, and he and he, you know, it just went awry. The O'Connor one I thought was was suspendable. I just think it was a dirty, cheap play um, there, and and I think that if Kulikov gets hurt, they might have suspended him. Um, unfortunately, that is the way the league looks at it. Sometimes, in terms of Felino's ice time, if he could play and play well, I think he'll be fine. I really actually don't like he's hurt. But I don't think he's playing with a major knee injury. Um, you know, just watching him walk around today is basically walking without a limp, um, you know, or slight limp. Uh, and that so that doesn't even look to me like somebody is trying to play on a sprained MCL. Like last year in the playoffs, Eric Sinek was playing on a sprained MCL. It was painful watching him walk around off the ice. Um, this uh, it didn't look like that to me. I think they really genuinely dodged a bullet there. Um, all right. Thanks, Cole. Let's go to Nick and then we'll uh, wrap this up in a few minutes here. Uh, Nick, you there? There you are, Nick. Guys, can you hear me? Yep. Awesome. Uh, I just wanted uh, to ask, who who do you guys think is going to win the cup? Uh, From my estimation, you know, Colorado might have the easy way to at least a Western Conference Finals uh, with, uh, you know, the Blues in the wild probably can beat up. So I just wanted to see what do you think the – Stanley Cup final matchup is going to be. Uh, Jeremy, who did you pick in our uh, big athletic thing yesterday? You know, I picked Mike, I'll tell you in one second, but I, I picked Colorado so many years in a row that uh, I didn't do it this year, even though that was uh, the favorite. And then Florida's kind of run away with this thing all year. I went with Carolina. Okay, okay I went with Calgary. Calgary. Did you? Wow. So yep. we're a little bit off the board, both of us. Yeah, I just, uh, that Calgary team is just built well. The, the one thing I'm not sure of is their blue line. But Markstrom's playing great. Up front, they're awesome. And their blue line, though, they get it done. And it's Daryl Sutter behind the bench. And this team just looks so much to me like his team that won the Cup. His teams that won the Cup in L.A. They don't give up much. Um, they are a good, good hockey team. 
Yeah, I, I can't pick Calgary because uh, I'm still mad at Goudreau for not burying that chance, and you would be at uh, St. Louis tonight instead of me and Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> I was very, very happy about that one. Thomas, what's up? Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yep. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Jeremy, I just got to say. Hey, Tommy. Going... <laughs> How are you? Good. Good. I, I just got to say, Jeremy, this is going so much more smoothly with you on the line with Rousseau than it usually is for these. <laughs> I mean, seriously, last time it was like he kicked, he went through like five or six people without figuring out how to get him on. So this, is, <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jeremy, th- thanks for uh, thanks for the time. And you too, Mike. Uh, quick question. I'm just curious, Jeremy, from the Blues perspective, uh, are there any black aces that have been pulled up for this series and, and for the playoffs that um, Blues fans are excited about, and I know there are maybe a couple on the wild side too that Russo could speak to. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll hang up and listen. Nate Pro- Nate Prosser up or Sam Annis or somebody? <laughs> yeah, not not just yet. Uh, Springfield's in the playoffs, so they'll have a little break now after their uh, season, and then ju- get that playoff round going. Uh, but in the meantime, they, you know, the Blues do have 15 forwards up, so they have three healthy scratches uh, going into tonight's game, and then also they've got uh, two uh, healthy scratches on defense. Um, you know, when Scandella can play. And then uh, Scott Perinovich, and I should bring this up uh, because of the yeah. Minnesota listeners here, is that uh, Scott Perinovich, he had uh, wrist surgery. And so he's missed uh, just most of the season, uh, played a little bit in the middle of the year, uh, looked pretty good in the few games he played, but then uh, left with the wrist injury. And so he's skating. And today was his first time out on the ice with the team in practice. And Craig Bruby, kind of surprising afterwards, he said that he might be a player sooner than you expect. So, you know, they're sitting there with, uh, you know, nine potential defensemen. So in terms of black aces, I think we're going to wait until that uh, Springfield playoff run, see what happens with that. Yeah, and um, and we know the wild black aces. Unfortunately, Rossi is hurt. Rossi is in town, by the way. He's just uh, and and look, uh, he's dealing with something. If the wild go on a long playoff run, he will be one of those black aces as well. Um, Major John, Aaron, and Brendan, and Colin will be our last five. We're going to run through these really quick, and I'm I'm impressed that Tommy uh, Tommy joined. He worked so hard. Um, it's just shocking that in the middle of a work day that he was able to join our podcast. Um, Major. What's up? Hey, Mike. Uh, thanks, guys, for doing this. Um, so the question I have, I'm seeing a lot of people put in a lot of stock in how St. Louis has a winning record against Minnesota this season. But as we saw last year, the Wild had a winning record against Vegas, and they lost in the playoffs. So in your guys' opinion, how much does the regular season record against these two teams really mean when projecting the series winner? You know, obviously not a lot because 75% of athletic uh, hockey writers uh, of our 40-something picked the wild. So they're not putting any stock in it. You know, to me, I don't put this like I don't put last year in like this is a very different team. The wild got their ass kicked last year against the Blues. And uh, and obviously, I'm not just talking wins and losses. I'm just talking the way those games went, Jeremy. This year, to me, I throw out the Winter Classic. And I take the last two games as a whole. And I thought that the Wild in St. Louis played as good as I've seen them play in St. Louis in a long, long time. So I think to me, that's all that matters is can the Wild do the Wild feel that they could compete against this team or are they in their head? And I don't think the Wild are going into this series thinking like, oh, this team always has our number. What do you think? Well, I mean, maybe like I stand by what I say earlier that I don't think it matters much. Um you know, and again, can't repeat enough, two overtime games and a winter classic, you know, minus 472 degrees outside game. So, um, yeah, I don't think that matters much. But, Mike, let's say hypothetically the Blues come out and win this game tonight and, you know, do it, 
you know, rather uh, handily. I mean, then does it pop back in the wild's head? Potentially, I I guess. So as we sit here at whatever time it is, uh, 350 Central, I don't think it's an issue. Uh, But I do think if, you know, something were to unfold tonight where we see a continuation of what the Blues been able to do to uh, the wild, then maybe it resurfaces. Okay, Okay, John, John, you're on. Hi, Mike. Hi, Jeremy. How are you guys doing? Yep. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. Uh, quick question uh, for the both of you. Mike, as uh, the Wild reporter, who would be the Blues player that you're kind of most nervous about in making an impact for their team? And then Jeremy, vice versa, who would be the Wild player that makes you the most nervous uh, for the series? So, I mean, if I, was a, if I was a Wild fan right now, I'd probably be most nervous by Tarasenko. I've seen Tarasenko light the Wild up. He did in the one playoff series that the Wild actually beat the Blues, right, uh, Jeremy, if I remember correctly, in 2015. Um, you know, he's, and he's playing so well right now. Like, those, that, those two games in St. Louis, I thought that he was one of the best players on the ice for the Blues. What do you think? Mike, it might be the best he's played as a Blue. And yeah. he played well in that Stanley Cup run uh, in 2019. But he's doing everything, back-checking. You know, he's a leader. He's he, he's playing really well. So, yeah, that you know, if I'm in your shoes, that would probably be my pick. And, gosh, I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain to think of a kind of off-the-grid, you know, Minnesota Wild player that you should be afraid of. So this is going to be the obvious choice. But it seems like every time the Blues aren't playing, and I'm sitting in my living room with my kids, maybe playing knee hockey or – you know, and I just scroll Twitter. Every time I see, you know, at Russo Hockey tweeting, it says Kaprizov wins it. Kaprizov wins it. Kaprizov wins it. Like, yeah. it, it seems like it's it happens all the time. So, um, you know, you wrote about Kaprizov and taking that next step in the postseason, Mike. And, you know, I think uh, he's definitely a player who is going to have some playoff uh, success. And, uh, you know, if I'm a Blues fan, I turn on the game tonight uh, just hoping that uh, the Blues are able to somehow, somehow uh, keep him down. Brandon. Brandon. Hey guys, thanks for doing this. Um, you've somehow managed to avoid this question this whole time, which I'm amazed by, <laughs> but just wondering what your uh, series prediction is on both sides. And also if you have any sort of uh, friendly wager between you two. Uh, we could definitely do the wager. Uh, what's your prediction? And we, we already know yours, right? Didn't you already come out with one? Yeah, I, I mean, I picked uh, wild and six. Um, in our athletic, I think it was Wild and Six. Jake, our uh, mutual editor, could probably correct me if I'm wrong. And um, I, as I said on ESPN today, 101, um, Wild fans know this. I rarely pick the Wild to win a series, so this was not just a homer pick. Um, I just, I just, I think the world of this Wild team. I think that they could get it done. I think their special teams must improve um, for them to win this series. But I, I picked the Wild and Six. What do you? What did you pick? Okay, so Mike, I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. The Wild are not going to win this series in six. Uh, they're not going to win it at Enterprise Center. They're going to win it back at Excel in Game Seven. So I'll so go you pick the Wild. Uh, I haven't done it anywhere really. I haven't tweeted it, written it. This is just based off of this question here. But um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with the Wild. Look, I think the Blues can win the series. I think there's a chance. It just seems like there's a few questions. You know, who's so in goal? Also. You know, how does the defense uh, hold up? That's kind of been a big question with the Blues all season. And secondly, I know this is like, uh, you know, every team would love to have this problem. But I went back and did some research. And, Mike, with all the teams throughout league history that had seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty 10, 20-goal scores during the regular season, they didn't have a ton of success in the postseason. I think the 05-06 Carolina Hurricanes were the only team that 
in that uh, group that, that won a Stanley Cup. And, and so we'll see, you know, does that balanced offense show up in the, in the, in the postseason here? We'll see. Um, I just think Wild getting home ice, Wild, I believe, are a little more physical team. Uh, the the goaltending is a little bit more experienced, you know, if, if Jordan Bennington's sitting on the bench especially. And uh, I just think uh, you come back here, Minnesota, and, and they have a chance to win this in Game 7. So I'll go Wild in 7. Okay, and last question. Oh, we lost uh, Colin either. Um, yeah, I'm still here. All right, All right go, go for it. it. What's, what's up? up? Russo, Jeremy, what's going on, guys? How are, How are you? you? I'm pretty good. Is this Colin? Uh, is this Colin the uh, Gophers equipment dude? Oh yeah. How, How are, are you? What's, What's up? up? I'm doing well. I'm doing really good. I'm I'm heading down to uh, Reeds with Johnny before the game tonight. Before we go, nice. nice. Have fun. fun. Yeah. Um, just a quick comment on the X Factor, uh, especially from the Wild side. I don't think I would say maybe like X Factor for the series, but down the stretch, I think Goudreau has been pretty money and he's been feeling it. So I could definitely see him making a difference. And then, like, on the other side for the Blues, it sounds like Buchnevich has been pretty, pretty good this year and pretty solid, especially from reading uh, um, Dom's article, which is really good, by the way, if anyone hasn't uh, read that. And then my quick just couple questions were, if you had to put a percentage on Zuccarello, what he's at, and if we could potentially see Dewar maybe come in for Duhame at all during the series. Um, I know they love Dewar. They haven't shown any... Uh, willingness to not play Duham down the stretch. So I don't know. I think, look, I've covered a lot of playoff series, and usually when you get down in series, you have to make some moves to try to get a little bit of a spark, and Dirk could provide that. So perhaps if Duham is not having a, um effective series, you make that move. But right now they've shown no um, ability, n- no willingness or desire to pull Duham from the lineup all season long. So, you know, my gut says that the only way he would come in is if there's an injury. Um, you know, uh, Jeremy, uh, yeah, he, he, he asked about, uh, Buchnevich and uh, yeah. obviously you know, not like, um, an X factor. Cause I think you expect it from a guy like Buchnevich, but you know, the points well taken is that this is a guy who could, uh, you know, be a big factor in the series and the blues certainly need him to be, uh, you know, a 30 goal score the blues made the trade with, uh, the New York Rangers, Sammy Blay and a second round pick for Buchnevich. They felt like he was hitting the prime of his career. And that was certainly, uh, the case this year. So um, there's just so much when you look at this Blues team, as we've talked about for the last hour and a half, you pick this guy, pick that guy, because there are so many uh, key contributors, but Buchnevich definitely right there at the uh, top of the list. Last question of the live room and the Straight from the Source podcast, uh, Brant. Hi there. What's, What's up? up? Thank- How, How are, are you? you? Doing well. Just wondering, uh, any in- insight on how many penalties are going to be called tonight? No, we were asked that later, and and obviously, I mean, you know, every referees, every referee group has different standards. So what happens tonight might not happen next game, um, but you know, we got to see how this uh, game transpires. Jeremy, this was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. I know that you're sitting in the wild press room at Excel Energy Center, um, but on our water cooler here at the uh, Athletic, on our uh, private channel that everybody sees at the Athletic. Um, this apparently was the first live room with over 1,000 concurrent listeners that we've had at The Athletic, and so uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I think we're going to do this games two and three as well. Um, the night games, we're going to do this, uh, probably not the day games, um, so we'll, we'll probably around the same time look for our Twitter account on uh, Wednesday. Um, and again, if you want to meet Jeremy, Jeremy's going to be on my Worst Seats in the House podcast tomorrow at Split Rocks at 7 p.m., uh, so come on down there. Uh, anything left you want to say, Jeremy? 
Yeah, just, you know, I'm going to get sappy here, Mike. You know, we don't have a lot of, you know, situations where, uh, you know, we can comment at the end of a story and tell people thanks for reading or maybe yeah. see somebody out in public and say, hey, thanks for being a subscriber. But, you know, knowing that we have a thousand people on the line here, just thank you so much. I mean, it, it just means a lot. We're excited about the playoffs. We're excited to cover it. You know, I, I'm sure Mike feels the same way. I'm going to watch the game tonight and try to come up with the best story angle possible and bring it to, you know, Blues and Wild fans tomorrow for the website. Uh, but to be able to have this technology and thank you to the support staff that, that enables us to have this type of chat with the fans for me and Mike to be on the, the line with you guys and just have the fun interaction uh we, we just can't thank you guys enough for being subscribers yep absolutely and jeremy and me we were the jeremy and i were the what's fifth and sixth or sixth and seventh hockey writers at the athletic in 2017 we went through the recruiting process together a lot of sleepless nights throughout that month of august and early september and so uh this is really cool this is gonna be the third wild blues series that jeremy and i covered together but the first at teammates of the athletic and if you want to read jeremy's coverage on your athletic app make sure you go to your blues page and vice versa with the wild and uh jeremy i'll see you in a couple hours all right see you mike thanks and thanks to leave for- the arena huh yeah i know <laughs> for I've, I've totally eaten into your day here so oh no uh, this is great thanks yeah. yeah so this was fun we'll be doing this again on wednesday before game uh two thanks for listening and joining this live room thanks uh for listening to straight from the source as well And uh, talk to you on Wednesday, everybody. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Thanks for joining this week's edition of Straight from the Source. If you're not an athletic subscriber, now is the time to get in. Plus, we got podcasts galore throughout the network. Craig Custance and Sean Gentile recap the first night of the Stanley Cup playoffs on Tuesday's edition of the Athletic Hockey Show USA. Andrew Ladd joins Rob Pizzo, Sarah Sivian, Jesse Granger on Wednesday's roundtable this week on the Athletic Hockey Show. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. Subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. This week, the Wednesday roundtable provides the bonus content. Start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, get an annual subscription to the Athletic for just a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. That's theathletic.com slash straight from the source. A dollar a month for six months. Talk to you next week, everybody.